Nice buns, soft, fluffy, and ultra low net carbs. Discover Hero Bread, the delicious ultra low net carb bread with incredible taste and texture. Hero Bread has zero grams of sugar and is under 100 calories per serving. Plus, high in fiber with 5 to 10 grams of protein per serving. Order from Hero.co now and get 10% off your first purchase with promo code AH10. That's 10% off with code AH10. H-E-R-O C-O. At Parker, our purpose is simple. We want to make the world a better place by working more efficiently, by using more sustainable practices, by developing better technologies. We keep moving forward. With each new idea, innovation, and partnership, we're one step closer to fulfilling our purpose every single day. To find out more, visit parker.com slash purpose. Parker, engineering your success. But Jennifer Cohen, the one and only, welcome to our show. I think uh, it can be nice if you introduce yourself. Yes, my past is, I have a big, my, a big part of my past and my present actually is fitness for sure. Mm-hmm. I'm, uh, I've written a bunch of fitness and health books, obviously, uh, not obviously, I've written a lot of fitness and diet books. Um, I had a fitness app that was acquired by Weight Watchers. I had a fitness shoe that was uh, a weighted shoe that people would wear. And the idea was that this was my first company called No Gym Required. And it, what it was is it was a shoe that had, that had an interchangeable midsole. So you would add 25% more calories to what you burn because of the added resistance. And I think that was even before its time. It was such a great concept. I loved this company. It's called, like I said, the, the shoe was called the NGR Shoe. The company was called No Gym Required. That was the name of my first book. And I've always just been someone who's been super passionate about fitness. I love it. I think it's really important to have that as a piece of your everyday routine to help with success in every other part of your life. And so I believe that that is part of why I've had success in other parts of my life because I took fitness seriously and it taught me so much when I did. Fitness taught me about, like I said to you before we started, the goal setting, and it gave me the self-esteem and the confidence to kind of go after things because in fitness, you set, your, you set goals. And once you see yourself achieving those goals, right, it gives you that confidence to, to try for another one. And I think, like I said, the discipline, the goal setting, the, the idea of, of having something that you've actually gone after and achieved just once gives you that motivation to keep on going. So I believe with my podcast, we do a lot of things in health, wellness, uh, mental health, physical health, because it's such a huge component so you, for you believe, you believe in routine, and you said I be, before I believe that routine is a, big, yeah, is a big part of it. Hence my podcast. It's called Habits and mm-hmm. Hustle for a Reason. I think that people are essentially what they do over and over and over again, which are habits. And habits are part of a routine, part of a regimen. So, so how much, how much do you think it comes down to when it comes down to business? Because obviously in, in fitness, everyone would relate, would say, absolutely. You need, mm-hmm. you need to have force of habit. You need to go and be disciplined. Even if you don't want to hit the gym, you have to hit the gym. There, I think most people don't realize how imperative it is when you run a business. And you say, mm-hmm. you know, it, it comes down to business as well. So when you say habits comes down to 
business as well, and you need the routine in your business, and that is why you have that. Tell us, how, how, how do you go and influence mm. people to understand that? Well, no, what I'm saying is that I, two parts, not no, but two parts. I think that people have to have some form of discipline that they're going to do things even when they don't want to do it, mm-hmm. which is why discipline is so important because most of the time I don't feel like working out. Most of the time I don't feel like necessarily working when I'd rather sit on a beach. But when I have the discipline and I know what my goals are and I know what I want my outcome to be, it's those that's the discipline and it's the routines that I put in place for myself to keep me on point and keep me on track. And I think that's what's really important. By the way, before you got here, you actually went to the gym. You just came from LA and with the hours different, you didn't sleep good at night. You went first, hit the gym, did what you need to do, got this out of the way, and then you showed up yep, over here. Yeah, absolutely. Yes, and I, I noticed that. It's I said, imperative. Okay, yes. It's not even, it's not even, it's a non-negotiable. I will work out, and I say this all the time on my social media, like do it even when you don't want to. And that's what it's about. I work out even when I don't feel like it because it's part, it's already ingrained in my DNA. It's part of my day. It's, it's part of my DNA to such a point where if I don't do it, I feel like something is missing. And I believe energy begets energy. So when people say things like, I don't have time to work out, I think that's such a, like, it's such a load of shit. You have time to take a shower. You have time to brush your teeth. I believe like, doing something that you're moving your body and you're sweating should be just as like ritualistic as brushing your teeth and or taking a shower. Is there a percentage between motivation and discipline? I don't believe in motivation. I think think what motivation is a very overused word, Mm -hmm. right? Because you can have motivation one minute and you can, and lose it the next motivation wanes. Mm -hmm. You can't rely on motivation for, your success and for getting something done. I think discipline is something way more So you don't attribute useful. any any percentage to motivation. The only thing that motiv- like I what I said at the beginning of this whole podcast was the only thing that's motivational what motivates me is as is as success I had prior to that that gives me that extra oomph or motivation so to speak quote unquote to, to move to the next thing. But motivation is something like it, it has to be something bigger than motivation to get you from point A to point Z, mm-hmm. right? Motivation can help. Like you go to a Tony Robbins seminar and it can, it can give you that motivation to start something. The starting is not the problem. It's the carrying through. It's, it's the continuing it's, on. It's the middle. That's yeah. the hardest part, After the right? motivation wanes and it's, you know, you're not, you haven't reached the pinnacle of what you want to achieve yet. So it gets tough. And that initial fire, that's yeah. long gone out. Right. So, Absolutely. But that point you made was actually very interesting. The point you made about if people don't want to go to the gym and they say they don't have time for it, it's just an excuse. But it's ultimately because they haven't prioritized it. Absolutely. It's not a priority. Like I said, it's about non-negotiables. There are certain things that you just make as a non-negotiable. How do you do that? How do you make it a non-negotiable? Uh, well, it, it, just, it, it is my non-negotiable because I've seen how it and what it's like when I don't work out but it has you have to get to a point in your life or you got to get to a point where you stick to something long enough where you see the you see the the benefit and the return on investment right well, and wouldn't if you that, stop wouldn't too that soon, build motivation so once you say okay at first I start with no motivation I start with discipline and I have no motivation to hit the gym or start a business but I still know I have to do it but then once you start seeing results that builds motivation, that gives you a different form of energy to go and proceed and convince other people. 
don't you? Because that where 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 people are big now is forget motivation. It's all about discipline, which I absolutely agree about. Discipline is imper- if you have no discipline, is it's you you don't have to. It doesn't matter. Motivation is going to go away as soon as it's a rainy day. Right. Right. But once you add motivation into it, and I think Robert Greene said something interesting. He said, look, Einstein, without motivation, wouldn't go for a decade to come up with that final formula at the end. You needed some form of a motivation infused into a disciplinary process. Well, I think that we can reverse engineer here, right? Uh, this is the thing. I think we, you have to work backwards, right? I think that you get motivation once you see the return on the investment, Correct, yes. okay? So I know how I'm going to feel if I don't work out, mm-hmm. and I know how I'm going to feel if I do work out. Okay. I also know that it's an excuse that I use on myself when I say, oh, I'm too tired, because there has never been a workout in my life that I've ever regretted doing, mm. no matter how tired I am, and especially when I'm sure. tired, right? Because when I'm the most tired, I still push myself because it gives me that, like, that oomph that I need, that little energy resource that I would never have gotten otherwise. So the misconception and the mistruth about exercise is that it, you, you, it get, makes you tired if you exert yourself, which I think is absolutely wrong. Yeah. I think the, that exertion, that sweat, when you sweat, when you put your body through that stress, it actually invigorates you. It gives you that extra, ex, like extra energy that you need to continue on or to give you the motivation. Right. As you you Once you're already in it, you're already on a roll and it's easier well, to continue. And afterwards, you're like, you feel better, yes. right? Because it's like you get your, your endorphins. Have are you ever going. done ice bath? Yeah, of course, cold plunging, yeah, of course. So you, you agree that you have no motivation jumping into no, this thing. No, it's terrible. But you feel amazing after that, right? But you said, right? you said something important. You said terrible. that you have to find these little milestones yes. that you achieve to to feel that ROI, right? Right. So with, with working right. out, it's easy because it's immediate. It's yeah. like you, you literally work out, you have the endorphins, you feel good. I mean, you look better than you did like when you walked into the gym. Same with the ice bath. You, Correct. you hate it's it. It's actually, you go no. In. I'm going to say something about that. Not to interrupt you, but I want to interject for a second. Because, interject as much as you want. Okay, yeah. I'm, I'm going <laughs> to interject. Uh, yeah. Believe me, I'm going to. Yeah. Okay, my interjection for this particular p- part is exercise is hard because it, depending on where you're, where you're, where you're starting from, you could be going to the gym or working out day to day and not see any results. And so therefore that's very not, that's not very motivation. It doesn't give you that mm-hmm. motivation. And also it does the opposite effect, right? It's about sticking with something long enough with that discipline mm-hmm. that I talked about that you have to like keep on going even when you don't see a result because you have hope. Hope is the thing that I think is very mm. important that you will eventually get to that goal. And once you see like a glimpse of that goal that you're going for, whatever it is, it could be weight loss, it could be an a, a added energy to your day, it could be health, it could be a lot of different things. That will give you, and to your word that you love, motivation to keep on going. Because that's what you need, that you need to keep on going until you actually feel a difference when you don't go. So And now you get obsessed with it now, when you start to feel that. Well, mm-hmm. you get obsessed with the feeling of like, you know what, I don't want to feel like shit. I like to feel on point. To me, at this point in my life, 
I'm not doing exercise. I'm not exercising daily because I'm trying to get like a six pack and because I like want to like for vanity reasons. Is there a percentage of vanity? Of course there is. And I would be a liar. And anybody who tells you they're not working out because... A bunch of bullshit. Yeah, it's a bunch yeah. of bullshit. Yeah. Everyone's working out because they want to look better at some point, okay? But I'm not, But what I am saying, really, where it mostly falls into, it falls into the mental aspect mm. for me. Because when I... If, if I would have not worked out today when I got here, even though I haven't slept even an hour because my the, the time difference and everything else... I would have been a total disaster, not just a half disaster when I showed up today because uh, I didn't sleep at all, right? But the exercise portion of it gives me much more mental focus. I'm much more alert. I'm much more on point. I'm I'm, I'm cognitively much more aware. Mm -hmm. And when I don't, it dulls my mental mental ability. I feel that. for me, it's like a win-win, physically, mentally, and everything else. Now, how- It's like a therapy, I, I totally agree. Is. For well, me, it's a therapy. I, I, I go to the gym because I need to disconnect from everything I do throughout the day. Right. And that is the only way I can disconnect. Otherwise, my, my brain keeps running and running and I need that break. And right. That's the only way. It's meditation. So I'm not somebody who can sit in an um position and meditate the way traditionally people yeah. think about meditation. My meditation is me running or jogging mm. or cardio. Cardio for me is the time when I can like really get into my thoughts, get into my head. And that to me... Is my form so again another misconception I think that people feel like because it's like a fad or it's cool that everyone sits with their legs crossed and their and their fingertips together and they um that's the only type of meditation there can be but everybody's different you know what works for one person doesn't work for another person right like I believe that we all there's lots of different forms of meditation for me my type of my kind of personality I've tried it all I've tried tried yoga. It's not my thing. I've tried meditation. Not my thing. Have I tried it 75,000 times in every kind of version that possible? Transformative meditation. I've tried vinyasa yoga. I've tried this. No. I'm looking at the clock and like it does not work for me. I totally relate to that. You know? It doesn't work. I have a question. Because if fitness starts to become part of your like mental health, what are the what are some of the things that you see have it like how how has that impacted your life? So for example, um, if you don't go to the gym, you feel down. You feel like you're not cognitively there. You feel like you're almost like operating at half capacity. I'll give you some examples for me. So for me, I mean, I don't enjoy like a really good meal sometimes unless I have a good workout ahead of time. Mm-hmm. So that's something that I know is silly. It doesn't really it doesn't really mean anything. Makes but to me, perfect sense. To I me. enjoy that. I enjoy a really good meal, but only after I do a good workout. If I travel. If I'm traveling for business, I'll look for hotels that have great gyms. So oh, hundred percent. Yeah. Okay, so this is the big joke. Okay. Yeah. First of all, you do, I, do you do this I, too? Oh my god. <laughs> I, I, people like it's funny because like I the, the second I a I get to the the hotel I'm staying at, the first thing I do before I even go into I, I drop my bag off in my room maybe. Yeah. Or I don't even bother. I just go right to the gym. It's more important for me to have a functional gym than it is to have a great room. Mm. So to me. The, the, the biggest highlight or the biggest priority when I when I pick a hotel when I travel is definitely yeah. what the what the hotel gym is to me it makes the entire trip it it's the biggest most important part of the trip if it's a shitty gym 
the trip's going to be shitty. I agree 100%. Right? Yeah. That's why actually traveling to New York is so difficult. Yes. Because New York is the worst for hotel gyms. 100%. What about like an they're all boutique gyms now. Yeah, no, it's not the same. Never the same? Well, if, you, if, if you have a gym membership, but I mean, if you stay in Manhattan, like yeah. you, there's nothing. Yeah, well, no, you can walk to like Equinox, a lot of like yeah. boutique gyms yeah. uh, you can go to. But now in New York, I feel it's true. Like there's so many like boutique hotels that they don't even have gyms or they have like a dumbbell. What yeah. about getting a rubber bands with you? Because that's what I usually do. That's great. Do. I, I mean, get listen. Rubber, uh, resistant well, bands, not rubber bands. Resistant yeah, resistant bands. I was English, don't <laughs> Yeah. Well, we can work on that a little yeah. bit. No, I think those resistant bands are amazing. Uh, like, to me, it doesn't really... It, like, again, it's like the meditation thing. It doesn't really matter what you do if it works for you, right? Yeah. If it works for you and you feel that's like it, takes, yeah. it works and it's doing the trick, great. Now, now when, you, when you're... Applying it to business, I will, I'll say this, like, when you start a business, you have no fucking clue if it's ever going to work. The what? Is that the right business or not? Who knows? Until it actually hits, right? So you're right. Discipline is imperative, but people can go on with a business for a while, and, and if there is no motivation in between, right, it's going to be hard to continue because you don't know if you have a proof of concept or something. How do you apply this? discipline part to say okay look it doesn't really matter if you made it or not but the discipline part of learning curve oh, as a business to, to yeah. business well i think it's different i think that when you're doing a business number one i think it's super important to be doing a business that you're genuinely passionate and interested and i hate that again i don't i don't want to sit here and throw a lot of like of these very trendy hashtag mm -hmm. words like do something that you're passionate about yeah because a lot totally of times you. you can be doing it you i could be i could be really i passionate. was so passionate about makeup when i opened boxy charm it was my passion uh, exactly <laughs> i'm I'm, pa I, I'm passionate about watching you know serena williams play tennis but am i going to become a tennis a professional yeah. tennis player no so i feel like i think you have to have some kind of realism when you pick what you're doing, which what I mean by that is like doing something that, yeah, that you enjoy, but you're also, it's in your strike zone. You're good at it. Right. Because the passion can be the actual business, the building, the creation of the business right. is the passion. Like to me, I love negotiating. Hmm. Okay. That's not exactly a, a full time. It could be a business. Actually, it is a business for me. A lot of the times I negotiate on behalf of like a lot of business partners I work with and people I oversee and different things I do. I love it. My, my thing is I love the thrill of the chase. I love, I love getting down to like what the deal is going to be, how we're going to do it, who we're going to do it with, why, get, kind of like a producer, putting the pieces together, right? A, I like it, I'm good at it, so therefore I should like kind of like do something around that area, right? I feel how people should be picking and choosing what they're going to do and what's going to really drive their success over time is doing something that they have a natural uh, natural tendency to be to be good at, right? Like where they're, they, it's innately something that they're they're good at. I'm bad at math, so for me to become a physicist or a mathematician, or a data analyst, or a yeah. data you're analyst, swimming yeah. against right. the current. You yeah. don't need exactly, to do it, yeah. you're you're swimming against the against the what did you call it? Against the current. A current, but that <laughs> accent. I, I thought you said I thought you said current. I'm like, what is that? Uh, <laughs> Your accent, you got to listen very intently, Carol, you know. I'm teaching you English uh, over yes, here. This you is the are. proper English. The Israeli right? in yes, you, right? absolutely. Uh, yeah, I, and I think that there has to be a, a nice blend. How, how did you find that for you? Well, number one, I, I think that num 
you know naturally. It's not like how did I find I think a lot of it's trial and error, right? Like I think that people I think also people do naturally like to do what they're good at, right? Not to use the gym analogy, but I'm gonna use another gym analogy, a fitness <laughs> analogy here, right? But like, you know, when uh girls love to work their lower body, right? Why is it why is that? It's because we are naturally stronger in our booty and our legs than we are in our upper body. Mm -hmm. So what happens, we neglect our upper bodies because we're not good at it, we're already weak in that area, so we just forget about it, right? It's, and with guys, it's the opposite, yep, so, right? Yeah. Guys like to work their chest and their, up, and their back because mm -hmm. they're strong there naturally, and they forget about their legs and they get like these little chicken legs. So I think what happens is we naturally fall into areas in life that we gravitate to areas in life that we are naturally better at, right? But for whatever reason, something happens and there becomes a disconnect with a lot of people and then like they lose their way and then because of pressure from what their society tells them or their family tells them or what they think they should do, they separate from that and then they follow a path that's completely not even in line with who they are as people. And that becomes a whole other rabbit hole. But if we actually just like listen to ourselves and like follow what we naturally are inclined to do and what we gravitate to naturally, we end up doing something we naturally are more passionate for, right? So when you ask me my question, it's like, well, um, I've always been a very curious person. I've always liked to work, like I've always very interested in people. So it was a natural progression for me to have a podcast. Mm -hmm. I've always, I loved when I started exercising at a young age, around like 15 or 16, I loved how it made me feel. I was also good at it, right? And I saw results. And so I naturally wanted to kind of keep on pursuing it and keep on like digging deeper into that area. So then I became a trainer and then I like, you know, became, I write, wrote books on it and I had an app about it and I did all these other things. But you, you, did, you did do a lot of businesses around your hobbies, right? Because you like to work out. You, you're not just like, you're passionate about working out. So uh, whatever you did throughout life was around that, including your podcast, including the brand strategist you were in. No, actually, I started out doing something totally different that was not really a core interest okay. of mine, which is why I didn't last. And that that's how fitness actually became something that I built a real business around. Mm -hmm. Because... I went to, I went, you know, I have like my undergrad is in psychology. I have a business degree and, you know, I, my first job was with a basketball team. I worked for the NBA okay. and then I got, I, I, I loved music, always loved music. And I got recruited while I was in business school to go work for BMG music. Okay. And so I ended up there for a bit, even though I loved Where it. Where did you study? Um, in business. I did mo mostly marketing and business. Sports okay. marketing was okay. my thing. And it was a special program in Canada. It was like a, a, a two-year sports marketing okay. um, specialty. And I, I did a, an internship with IMG. And I had all the, like, the, the cool jobs, like Nike and this and that. And I loved them all because it was like, it was in the periphery of like, of like act, it was in the periphery of activity and fitness. But it really wasn't the fitness part. Mm -hmm. But anyway, so when I went to, when I went to BMG, and um, did my, I was, I was marketing. I, I, I became like the head of marketing. And I got a job to come to LA to work for a different label. Uh, it wasn't like 
again, it wasn't like I was like super like in love with. I liked it. I was good at it. But was I like, was that like, was I like throwing myself in there to work for 15 hours a day? No. So I, when I left that, I'd be, I decided to become a trainer, a personal trainer, just until I figured out what the hell to do with my life. Cause I was really young and I fast tracked. And so when I did that, uh, I was also Canadian. So I wasn't allowed to work legally in mm. the U S that was how I was kind of stuck, kind of being very, I, I didn't have much to, I had to be very, I had to pick something that was easily how I can make money under the table, so to yeah. speak. So I became mm. a trainer and that's when I had that aha moment, as Oprah would say. And I thought, okay, you know what? Now that I'm, I, I'm now a personal trainer. I have my certification. I took my contacts and I took everything I knew from the music world, went back into the music world, made a deal, and negotiated this job that I created for myself, which was a label trainer to train talent for music videos and to train them for... Uh, tour, so I to took, train them in the gym to kind of yeah. So work. I went oh, from really? being a marketing person, do it like running the budgets and marketing for all mm. this talent and like creating camp marketing that, that's campaigns. That's interesting. So that job wasn't ex it didn't exist. You just showed them there is a gap in the market, and you said you need them to be fit. You need them to come ready. Let me train them. Yeah, it wasn't. It wasn't that there was a gap in the market. There was no market for it. I knew that, I knew they were doing it already. There was trainers, but it you was know, personal trainers. It but I, I figured this is, I was taking two worlds. I was taking transferable skills, right? We all have transferable skills. We all have things that we did before yes. in our past that we can utilize for what we're doing in our present or take them for the future. And that's what I did. I took things that I was naturally good at, which were relationship building, um, but kind th of that did not exist before you told them about this, right? Well, as a I'm process. sure it existed to some extent. But not I'm, as a service. Like I'm not going to say... commoditized it a little bit and productized yeah. it. Yeah, I mean, let me say this. Well, I don't know if anyone else was doing it because I didn't give a shit if anyone else was doing it. Yeah. I was thinking about my... I was thinking, listen, now I love exercise. I want to pursue that that path. But I, I, and I have I have relationships and I have an opportunity where I never wanted to ever cap myself at like a certain amount of money, right? So if I was a trainer, if I was working at Equinox, right, okay. or working at any other gym, I would only be able to make 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 up your number, 100 bucks an hour, 50 bucks an hour, right? And I'm only making that money if that person shows up, right? Mm -hmm. Now you can charge late fees, whatever, whatever, or just charge. My point is you're capped at the amount of money you're allowed to charge somebody based on that hour service. So my idea was a little bit more uh, in depth, which was, what if I went to someone and became a retainer, if I put myself on a retainer where you pay me five grand a month and I will train your staff and if they show up or not, I'm still getting paid, number one. Most of the time, a lot of times people don't show up, they like are late, da, da, da. I didn't want to like have that hurt my my I guess my bank account so that's why I had this idea of going to the label so it was a better way to trade your time for money well, it was I want, more secure no it was much more of a secure a, a way that I was securing myself mm -hmm. uh, an exact amount of money per month 
So let's say I was making five. Uh, okay, and then I know I'm making two thousand dollars a month, five thousand dollars a month. Not no, like that, randomly. Was that your aha moment that you said about? No, my my aha my aha moment was I wanted to be a trainer. I wanted to do something more than train hourly. Okay. So that was my idea because I already had the relationships with the people at the label, and I saw there to be an opportunity because all those people, all the talent. They, I know what they do. I know how they spend their money. I know what they mm -hmm. do to get ready for a video. I know what they do to get ready for a tour. It requires a lot of physical training. It requires a certain kind of diet so they can be at their best version. So when they go out there and do a show for two and a half hours, they're at their best. So I said to, I went to the president of one label and I said, listen, this is what I want to do. Pay me X amount of dollars. I will train everybody. And you know, uh, let's see if it works. And he was very confused because I was not a person that was like in his, remember people meet you, they think of you as how they met you first, right? He thought of me as a, a, mm. like a music marketing person. Yeah. He wasn't thinking of me as like a personal trainer, physical trainer for uh, Britney Spears, right? He was thinking like, how am I gonna make money from this music yeah. campaign that I'm putting together with one of our uh, retailers with HMV or Tower Records, right? Like it did, it was like kind of a disconnect. Like, wait, yeah. you were doing this with this budget and now you want to come in here and do squats and lunges with, you know, Britney Spears? I'm confused. But, you know, I was, I, I, I was confident that I could do the job. And the truth is, the out was, if it doesn't work out, then don't pay me. Don't pay me that month. Give me one month. Mm -hmm. So I think mm -hmm. the trick is also when you're when you're doing something like that is don't 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 put the onus on someone else to say no. Like give them every pot like give them every reason to say yes and no mm -hmm. reason to say no, right? So if he didn't have to pay me if it didn't work out, then what what's no there's, there's, there's no, no risk. risk. Yeah. Yeah. So don't give him a risk, right? And so he's like, "All right, I guess that's fine. Let's see what happens." And it worked out well cuz I mm -hmm. knew how to like I knew their talent already. I knew how their budget worked. I knew a lot of the internal business things that uh, that other people in the outside wouldn't know. So I knew how to make it work. And so one label turned into another that turned into another. And by the, you know, eventually I had so you're saying, a bunch you're of saying, labels. You're saying, so once you already know the politic of one business and you have one or two skill sets, you might find another, another opportunity on another business that have some similarities or a skill set that no one uses in that category. You already know the politic, you know the people involved, you have the relationship, you can just apply it. I'm saying use your assets. Use what yeah. you're good at and yeah. then and then amplify them. Amplify the That's assets. That's what I'm saying. Yes. Amplify the assets that you were already given, right? And not don't be afraid of what if someone says no. Don't be afraid if it doesn't work out. What's the worst that can happen? Yeah. My entire brand is based on this one phrase which is what is the worst that can happen you're not you're no better we're no worse off now than you would yeah. have been yesterday by if, if by not even trying right so like i think that you have to like lean really hard into what you're good at what it what are those assets and then like just double down and double down and then like go for it one and if it doesn't work out then you pivot it doesn't work out you try again but you don't know unless you know, unless you try. So I knew I loved fitness. I knew the music world. I took, I, I was very, and so what I did was I took transferable skills. 
I took something that I kind of already knew to an area that I really wanted to be in, and I kind of like merged them together into an opportunity. And do this when you're young. And yeah. I'm not saying that you can't do it when you're old, but I think you have to do a lot take more of, risks of, of, yes. of a lot of trial like trial yeah. and error when you're young to really know what you want to do yeah. as opposed to just like picking something and being like this is what i want to do and then when you're in middle age being like i don't really want to do it yeah you can change your career of course anyone can change at any time i'm a big proponent of of age is, is really just a number and you can do whatever you want whenever you want but i do believe when we the, the less we know the more the, the better it is right naivety to me is a huge strength because if you don't know something if you don't know you're much more apt to take that risk right now mm -hmm. 20 years later if i knew what i if i actually didn't know you can also disrupt an industry if you didn't know because there, there are taboos that every industry creates where they say oh we know not to do that and then it's just a, a law that was out there no one is trying until someone new shows up Elon Musk shows up, let's just do electric cars. It's not going to work. But it keeps on, it keeps on, and eventually he changes the industry, right? Did this it, becomes an industry. it becomes it an doesn't industry. It yes. doesn't even change an industry. It yeah, becomes the automobile an industry. industry or something. Like it goes goes to the space, right? I'm going to bring the rocket back. It's crazy. Boom, brings it back. Well, that's the worst so thing you can say, Yeah, right? the worst, yes. Like the, the worst thing you can say is that this is the way it's always been done. Yes. Right. That kills 100%. any innovation. Of course. Yeah. I mean, and that happens with most people, right? A lot of times, you know, in my like I've had like and I'm sure you guys do like you've had these ideas and then people burst your bubble and they're like oh my god like well, that's already done or that's like that's already we don't we don't do it that we way. don't do it that All way or this happens and so like you lose that again I always go back to this hope thing you lose that hope and that and that inspiration to do it because you're listening to too many people I see I I have this this thing that I just ignore everyone I <laughs> I say that I, I also yeah. I, I agree and I also yeah. don't believe that's why I talk about the fact that like I don't believe in even having mentors necessarily because I think everybody is going to be giving you their they're going to mold you they're to going to mold you yeah. to what their experience has mm -hmm. been and yeah, no one's are you familiar with this brand it's a skincare brand called um, touch and I think it calls touch and soul it's a Brazilian brand and the the Brazilian brand the the owners were actually industry people she, it's uh, it's uh, two Korean ladies and uh, oh, what's it called? I want to say Touch and Soul or uh, Soul yeah. de Janeiro. I'm Am sorry, I to Soul look at de it? Janeiro. Yeah, you can check Soul de Janeiro. And they said that the first rule they learned when they went into the uh, L'Oreal mm -hmm. and and Louder when they started their brand is that no matter what you do, you never do a white cap for your packaging, white cap and a yellow component underneath it. So you don't want to have a white cup and yellow, it, it doesn't work. So the first thing they did with the first a item- A cup? Yes, cap, a, a, a cup, cup? That, uh, uh, to close the, if you have a, a jar, uh -huh. the jar should not be yellow and the, and the top and the cup should be white. Why? Rule in the beauty industry, no one ever does this because someone said not to do it. So the first thing they did was let's make it yellow and white. And guess what? That's the only one that stood out on Sephora and that blew out. No it way. Made, yes, it was making a killing. So the, the, when <laughs> someone tells you don't do it, ask why not. If they don't have a straight answer, go ahead and try. Go ahead and try. There are just industries that are dinosaur industries that it took. They needed some shaking. They needed someone to modify those industries. And when you look at any traditional industry that was just hard to enter until it wasn't, especially now with social media, you can know almost any industry mm -hmm. you can come into. 
it was it needed a disruption. And you you find that when, when I started Vox, it was just why you give us all those rules before you even start thinking about what's important. And you find out someone that's not from the industry only think about what's important. And all those taboos, on those new first new steps you have to do, it, you don't think about it. So all your moves are critical because it's urgent and important. You don't do anything that you don't have any waste in your time, in your meetings. It's only about what's important yeah, and yeah, that's yeah. how you grow. This is actually a big issue with startups when startups try and hire really experienced talent. Yes, yes ex exactly. And then you bring in this experienced talent and the founder is super creative. They, they've never been in the industry. They want to build something brand new. Then you bring in this experienced talent and it's like a snuffer, like on that candle, right? It just yeah. like kills everything. And then you get you slow down and then you don't have speed and you don't have velocity because everything has to be done the way it's always been done. Yeah, so that's a hundred percent true. And that's why I, I could not agree with you more. I, I see you that. You see this, I'm sure with I the see brand. that yeah. all the time. I, it's, it's up with me. Like I, I, I think I come to everything with such a naivety, right? Like I, I which get all these, actually awesome. which is, yeah. I think, I mean, listen, I think, it, I, I think it is. And then that's why I don't allow, I've, I've seen it. I've, it's happened before many times in my life, in my career, I, I get my best ideas when I'm running on a treadmill. Mm. I don't know why. I just, I, that's, that's your, when I that's get your my, meditation. that's my meditation. Yeah. And I get my best ideas. And there's been many times when I've like, I jump off the treadmill and I like get my, I get this inspiration and I say, and I say, and I say it to somebody and they're like, Oh my God, that's so stupid. Or that's not going to work. And then like it, like it, it really like, it takes the wind out of your sails. And mm. then I never pursue it. And then I see, like a year, two years later, it's just happened before that happened. Someone else did it and it became like a massive success. Mm -hmm. So number one, that's the first thing I was going to say. Number two, uh, I also feel like, again, this hope is such a big thing, but I think that that's why when you speak to somebody, sometimes it's best not to, to, to either have one or two people that you really kind of value their opinion, but honestly, like, that naivety, like I think when you surround yourself with people who haven't done it before, you get way more value than going around a lot of people that are way too experienced because that's what makes them so myopic and that's when they can only see what's in front of them. And to me, that's like, that's like, it, it, that's like the stop is in the start. Then you mm -hmm. don't even do it because mm -hmm. someone's already taking out that hope and that like interest. I, so, feel, I feel like, I feel like the, um, the commonality when you when you follow a particular process because you came from an industry and you're doing what everyone else is doing is that you kind of like stand in traffic because we're all going the same direction instead of someone new that comes in and they just move to the left lane that's mm -hmm. empty and we don't go there why i don't know we just don't we're all staying in that lane we're like sheep yeah. it's like yes. it's like being sheep yeah. like people herd. just like follow the herd yes because somebody's because one person's done it doesn't mean that or because just because someone has not done it or because it's it's scary to do something different doesn't mean that you shouldn't be doing something different and doesn't mean it's not it's it's not going to be successful right because the only way to, it, to disrupt anything is to disrupt something right mm -hmm. to do it a different way that's to the definition it, of that disruption. is the, doing that it is the yeah. definition of yeah. disruption yeah. is to do it a different way or to yeah. do it something like Elon Musk is a great example who would have thought in a million years that there would be now every single car company is now making an electric car yeah and and the kind of backlash that he was getting i mean i, I remember an interview where uh, someone told him that he, during the time when he just started tesla he was talking in a 
in a conference and the CEO of Mercedes was sitting next to the reporter and he told him, aren't you going to do electric car? And he told him, yes, the guy doesn't know what he's doing. He's going to fail. And now look at Mercedes trying to copy me like a decade later. Right. What Elon Musk a was doing. Decade so, later. A decade later. And that's coming from Mercedes. I mean, they're innovators, supposedly they're good, but here it is. So it can happen to everybody. But, you know, um, when when we're looking at uh, kind of like what we're doing, there's always mistakes that we did were kind of like a learnable lesson. There are good mistakes, like good we did this. Do you have any kind of like experience where you may, you messed it up and you kind of learned you did this? You, you're happy you did this because you learned something? Yes, I think that I, I, I'm going to say that I think sometimes someone's best quality is also their can be their worst quality. Mm. And I think for me, that is I'm extremely impulsive. Okay. And sometimes I do things, um, again, out of that like excitement mm. and uh, naivete in a way, or just actually a lot of times in this regard to excitement. And um, I've done a lot of different things where if I would have just like taken a breath and taken a beat and, and, and step back, I wouldn't have shot myself on the foot mm. as much times. And I did that with my first company called No Gym Required. Um, and I it made- It was like a good what example. Happened? Like what happened with it? With, with I punched him in the face. I shouldn't have done this. Yeah, before. right. <laughs> I did a deal with somebody who, um, I, you know, uh, it, was a, it was a shoe deal and I spent a lot of money on the legalities. It was like my first company I've ever done. And I really desperately wanted to do the deal. And this is another thing, right? Like sometimes if you want something so bad, it's like you, you can't see the forest in front of the trees, right? Like you'll make up every excuse. Like there was a lot of red flags yeah. why I shouldn't have mm. done that deal. But I just wanted to do it so badly. Like to me, it was such a sign of that that I that I've like that I've succeeded, or that I like that the work I did pay off if I got this big deal. That I just didn't want to like see all the red flags, and there were a lot of red flags. And long story short, I'd made the deal, and once the papers were technically signed, and we started, it was turned out to be a whole different. Thing than I thought it was going to be and I had to get out of the deal and it cost it was it was a fortune to get out of the deal and relationships were fractured because of it and uh, it just it really just it, it it basically didn't end well for me so you know a lot of times perception is not reality mm. I can sit here and say oh yeah I had a great exit with my first company because technically I did. I was. I, I got acquired by someone, but it was a shitty deal, and mm. it didn't end well for me. And I didn't make much money. It, I actually ended up losing money from mm. all the legal bills. So I guess why I'm saying this is that sometimes it's, I think it's sometimes as I I talk a lot. And my 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 new book is called Bigger, Better, Bolder because I think it's extremely important to be bold and really chase what you want and not take what you get uh, and really go after those things. But I think it's also really important to be mindful of who you're getting in bed with, both figuratively mm -hmm. and literally, right? And then take a beat because a lot of times we can act without foresight and then we can really regret our, our, our what we did and it's hard to unwind. So, um, 
But that actually, that point that you're making right now, that came from your original point, which was that excitement can be a, a bad thing, a detriment, a impulsiveness. But also, it can be a, a, a good blessing thing. and a curse. Yeah. It's a blessing and a curse. And I think most of us have our best qualities can be our worst qualities. And it's about knowing and 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 being able to discern for when it's when it's working for what. Yeah. Right. Like I think that you can take you could take you can take three steps forward and six steps back sometimes if you're not if you're not conscientious of what you're doing. I totally agree. I, so can I'll, you give us an oh, example? For I was going to say, Yosef, yeah. you have it. I was going to say, Yosef, I have a million have, apps. Yeah. I have, I have, because I can relate. I'm, I'm very impulsive too. And I think that many times I felt myself, shit, I should have shut the fuck up and listen and ask more questions before I come up with a conclusion. Um, and I found myself, uh, I found that, that's what I do too. Yeah. I talk sometimes way more than I should. Yeah. yeah. And then I because can. Because you feel you know it all I, and you, yeah. Or I feel like I can't just, I just, I, I'm excited and I, I don't want, I don't want there to be that silence or I don't want but, there to be that moment where I lose the but deal. Tell me, tell me if you feel the same, that impulsive people are, they, we are very much uh, kind of like urgency for us. Every urgency, I mean. Sense of urgency. Yeah, is sense of peak. urgency. So, That's so, exactly how I feel. Yeah, and I think with sense of urgency, yeah, we, we end up breaking eggs here and there, but overall, we capture momentum is better than anybody. 100%. That's right? what I was going to say. That's what I'm saying. It's a blessing and a curse. Like, am I further along maybe than I... Uh, am I further along maybe than I would have been? I think 1,000% I am. Has it, has it broken a few eggs, if not a few dozen eggs, yeah. and ruffled a few feathers? 100%. But I think... At the net, 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 like I'm still, I'm still out much, I'm out mm -hmm. further than I would have you been. You have to think like if you hadn't, have, if you hadn't have been impulsive, you hadn't been that deal, you would have been in that company for longer. You wouldn't have had this crappy exit. You wouldn't have, maybe you wrote it out for another 10 years. Who knows? Yeah, exactly. And maybe that was a waste of your time. All the other opportunities that came to you after, and maybe because you got burnt, I don't know how bad, maybe you got burnt a little bit from this partnership. Maybe it was a good thing you got burnt earlier on so that you didn't get burnt later on with a bigger deal. Well, I think there's two things. First of all, I think it's really important for anybody listening, to, uh, to for people that have a come to Jesus with themselves on a regular basis, yeah. right? Because a lot of times we try, to, we try to fool ourselves or we do fool ourselves and we trick ourselves into why we're doing what we're doing and we end up doing things for the wrong reasons versus if we took a step back or just didn't do anything, I took a pause and thought of why we're doing it in the first place, we can save ourselves a lot of pain and anguish. I think that's yeah. the first thing. The second thing I have to say to what you said is, you know, there's a whole, I, I don't want to like bore you with this whole idiom, but there is a really good one that, you know, one thing, if, if one thing didn't happen, then the other thing wouldn't happen. I want to tell you, I'm going to tell you this story. You may have heard it. And if it's too long, you can edit it out, okay? But I'm going <laughs> to tell it to you anyway, okay? Have you heard about the Chinese farmer, the story with the Chinese with farmer? The maybe, 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 with the son that... Yes. Yes. I haven't heard it. Okay, I'm going to tell you, okay? And if you don't like this... I'm no, just, no, I love it. I your, think it's a great story. Okay, yeah, it, it's your podcast, so you can no, always edit no, no, it no, out. No, 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 don't okay? worry, go ahead. <laughs> but I was like, this story like hit, like hit always hits home for me every time. So I'm going to share it with you. Good. Okay, this, this is it. So, and if you can interject, if you like, a, the Chinese, this, there's a Chinese farmer. He loses a horse. Is that the first part of it? Okay, start, go on with this because it can be told in different ways, but I, I'm, I'm interested. I'm interested. Told me. Go ahead. Don't <laughs> worry about me. I, I love everything you're saying. Go ahead. 
go. Go. <laughs> First of all, just so you know, he's not like an expert in Chinese farmer stories. So I like, am, <laughs> senor. 15 years in university, just about farmers in China. By You're like way, asking why, him if you, no, if you, you nailed the intro. You know, no, you know why I did this that? This is how you shake the confidence. Yeah, you know the story. Maybe I don't. I don't know. He probably Maybe. doesn't even know the story. He, saw, he probably saw it on like, he probably saw like a hashtag oh with Chinese God. farmer. I'll tell you later. I'll tell you later media. the one I know, but let's see if it's even yeah, the same the only, one. And the only reason why I said that, just FYI, was because I think I forgot the beginning of the story, but I'm going to try it now. The other thing is, why does he have to be a Chinese farmer? Maybe I never. It, it, it doesn't make any sense. It could be an Israeli. It something. could be an Israeli farmer, yeah. a Mongolian farmer. The, the, the biggest farmer. difference you picked was Mongolian farmer. What about yeah, American? I mean, they're farmer? right by there, so they get confused. <laughs> they share a big border together. Who knows? What about New it's Zealand true. farmer? Yeah, that's not gonna happen because they wouldn't get confused on that. That's it could be an, any. It could be any any race farmer. Any but, race farmer. Yes. Okay, but for the for the purpose of the story, this is the story of the Chinese farmer. Yes. Okay, so there's a Chinese farmer, okay? He has um, a, a wild horse that went running, that ran away, okay? That's not the one I know. It's not? Don't worry about it. Go, that. go, just go. Keep on going. We, we love the story. I, it's already better than what, mine. Okay, That's, what's the first sentence of your story? Then we're going to go back to mine. That's the thing. I don't remember my first sentence. I just remember the okay, whole I'm story. Okay, I'm going to try my story. Yes. Okay, there's a Chinese farmer, Okay. He has a wild, he has a, a pack of wild horses. His most prized wild horse runs away, okay? All his neighbors and the people in the, in the, in the small community come running to him. They're like, oh my God, that's so terrible. I can't, what are you gonna do now? You need that, that, that very famed wild horse. Um, oh my, you're, it, that's terrible for you. And the Chinese farmer very calmly says, well, maybe. maybe. Yeah. And so the next day... I'm, I'm an expert <laughs> in Chinese stories, okay. <laughs> the next day... Do you, remember the next, do you remember the next sentence? I do, I do, I do. Just, just continue. Don't worry about me. Well, I forgot the next sentence. So the, the story is that after that, they told him, look, it's a good thing we found the horse. Is it a good thing? He said, maybe. Then his son ride the okay, horse. Okay, okay. Got it. I'm taking over. Yeah. It's all okay. Yours. So the guys, so the Chinese farmer. It's a teamwork. Yeah. Then the Chinese farmer said, I'm going to start the story from the beginning now. Of course. We're going to rewind you it you on could, the podcast. You all could, that would yeah. be deleted. You can oh, no, edit that. Can I'm not editing any of this. You out. can edit. This you can edit. You, you <laughs> could edit that if you want. Yeah. I'm starting again. The story, this is the story. The story is there's a Chinese farmer with a pack of wild horses. His most prized wild horse runs away, loses that wild horse. All of his neighbors, all the people in the community, Run to his house. They couldn't believe this. They're like, oh my God, what are you going to do? That's so horrible for you. Lost your prized wild horse. And the Chinese farmer says, maybe. The next day, uh, the wild horse comes back. Everyone is like just just elated. They, they, they run to the Chinese farmer's house again. They're like, oh my God, you must be so happy that the wild horse is back. The guys, the, chi the, chi the Chinese farmer says, maybe. The same day, later on that day, the, the Chinese farmer's son goes on a horse ride with the, wild, with, the, with, the, with the wild horse, falls off, breaks his ankles and his legs. And 
the people in the community and the neighbors run back to the Chinese farmer and say, oh my God, you must be so upset. I can't believe this happened. You're, now your son is, has these broken legs and you must be so, like, just horrified. The Chinese farmer says, maybe. The next day, uh, a bunch of people show up at the Chinese farmer's house because they are looking to, um, they need people for the army and they were going house to house getting all the boys to go to fight in the army. They saw the Chinese farmer's son. The Chinese farmer's son could not go anywhere because he had these broken legs. And the neighbors, the community come running back to the Chinese farmer's house and they're like, oh my God, you must be so happy because now your son is 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 free. He doesn't have to go fight in the army. You must be so relieved. The Chinese farmer says, maybe. The point and the moral of the story is you never know how one thing is going to affect another thing, right? So even if something doesn't work, and if it's a failure or a total colossal failure, it can be a real success. It can really change the whole trajectory of your life in a really positive, impactful, most important way, right? But you don't know that whole story. So you can't take one piece or one chapter or one page and think that's going to be the entire thing because it's the accumulation of the entire life that really tells you the real story. Absolutely. Is that what you're no, say? no, yeah. This and this is this is a this is exactly what it is, right? You have a mistake in a business. Well, how old were you when it happened? Twenty-two, thirty-two. Okay, are you dead? No. Okay, so you're gonna learn. You have many more years to go. That's gonna teach you now. If you keep doing the same mistake, I mean, it's uh, it's. I mean, I've seen I've seen situations where I had people working for me, and you see them making a mistake again and again, and they think it was actually good, and they want to double down. And my analogy was you, you, you attacked Russia in the winter, and now you want to do it every winter. Just you haven't learned. So if you are learning from your mistakes, mistakes are teachers, and mistakes are a good thing for you to continue because you need those mistakes. And if you didn't have mistakes, you didn't try hard enough because you're just in your comfort zone. And you're not taking enough risks. Yeah, you're not taking enough. Yeah. I mean, yes. But I think with, this, with the story that I was telling you guys. Your story or the parable? The parable story, okay. yeah, the story, the story that I was trying to like explain over and over again with with you. Mm-hmm. I think the, the the real moral of that story isn't about that. It's about the fact is like you can't count yourself out for a failure or for a, a misturn or something that didn't go your way because mm-hmm. you don't know what the entire story. You haven't is. finished it. You haven't finished the. Yeah, you haven't finished the story. The biggest issue with that is that nobody, many people, don't look at life that way. So a negative event happens, and then it's downward spiral. That's and true. That's a big issue yes. for a lot of founders. And they also connect failures. They I, say, I failed here, and then they remember all their failures they in connect the past. All the, they, it's like and they it's it's so easy the to dots. remember the failures. Yes. Well, to be honest with you, I don't remember. I think it's the opposite. I think I don't remember. I failed at almost everything I've ever done, but I don't remember anything. If you ask me all the things, like when people ask me this all the time on podcasts or interviews, they're like, Give me your top three failures. I mean, yeah, yeah I know. I, I can name a, a, a few of them. But if I actually, like, I can't, I've been failing for so many years that it's become, it's so part of, again, who I am. It doesn't make a difference. If I failed, it obviously didn't, like, it, it, didn't, it didn't deter me or didn't, like, it didn't detract me from trying again and again and again. The, the, the thing about that is that you can't allow just something that didn't work out. This, 
And by the way, this is not just business. I'm talking about life. I'm talking about relationships. Just because you broke up with someone or you had a failed marriage or you had a failed business doesn't mean that you're not going to be successful on the next on right. the next round, right. right? So you can't let something that didn't work out uh, change the trajectory of what you're going to try to do because you're stuck in what didn't work. I think I think a lot of what I've done is I've been able to like get myself up and brush brush off whatever happened and have a really short-term memory of that loss to try for something else. And I think having that short-term memory, so to speak, or not allowing that that rumination, that marination and dwelling of all that negative what-ifs to kind of change and, and d deter you from trying again. Because you don't know the end of the story. You can kiss a lot of frogs and be out with mm. a lot of jerks and then, you know, find your Prince Charming like 40, you know, when you're like 65 years old. I've met, I met a woman a really recently, actually, who was married for 40 years to a man. She wasn't unhappy, but she wasn't happy and met the love of her life. And she's now 79 years old. I mean, mm. you don't know what you don't know, but you can't, you can't just stop stop living because you're just afraid of what could maybe happen yeah i guess i guess, I guess the the way people look at things are that you have a couple you know a few types of people right and it's always going to be like this you have people that break and it's hard for them to mentally get up because that was their image and some other people just it's just about the last man standing for them. They're going to continue. It's just they're relentless, no matter how bad it is. So you can see it also on social media. Some people were going through some drama, got canceled, and they never got through this. They just just, just decided to... I, I mean, to take it to the extreme, people, people have committed suicide yes, over being canceled. So exactly. Who? Oh, people. people have. I, I won't have names off the top of my head, but I know that See, I've seen stories about people that have canceled. I know, I know people in the beauty industry oh, that, yeah. were, that, that were canceled ended up in a hospital because of the stress. I think bullying. Never came back. Really? Yeah. I think being canceled, being bullied, but I think the bullying is what's really, really. Um, but what's the difference between that and cancellation? Um, I don't see a difference. I think there is a difference. I have a few friends who've been canceled on social media and they just don't give a fuck and they're just doing their life but outside. But that's because they handled it better. Yeah. Right, but being bullied is when people are like, are, are shaming you for something over and over and over again. Mm -hmm. I think there's a difference. Yeah, that's, um, different. And that's I think different than th cancellation. That's different than cancellation. What I think a bigger question here that maybe you guys want to answer is like, can you teach somebody how to be relentless if it's not something that's naturally in your bones? That's that's that would the be your question. Discipline. The discipline well, actually, part I, I would be the best advice. Just continue posting. If it's on social media, continue posting. Eventually, you learn that it dies off, and after the first time, the second time is not as hard. I know a guy. That's that, a good. That's. I think that's a very smart point. Is that that in anything in life, and it's that it's that continual tr the continual of, of doing it over and over again that makes you immune to the negative yes pot yeah. the potential negative outcome yeah. and that's what i actually talk about i have a whole thing called the 10 percent target which is all about that becoming desensitized to failure desensitized to to um someone saying no where you do it so many times it becomes it doesn't even affect you anymore it's like water off a duck's ass yes is that a saying now it is. All right. <laughs> you just made a saying, guys. You heard that saying. This is it. You know what, though? The, the, the 
first word in your podcast, habits, that's what I think is actually allows you to, yes. that's how you teach discipline, quote unquote. Yes. That's how you teach it. So I don't have to teach discipline if I can teach you that every day to post on social media, you should wake up and from, you know, eight to 9 a.m., you write a post and you push it out. That's, that's, I don't have to teach you anything. I have to tell you the framework. And then if you have to commit to doing that for a long enough period of time, you'll see the results. So you just did something also that commit. People don't want to commit. People don't want to commit for long periods so of time. quantify the outcome. Though. The difference between winners and losers are people who persevere for longer than others. That's, the all, over, that's all it is. I think it mm -hmm. has nothing to do with anything else, but that's what makes somebody, it's like that's relentlessness. That is perseverance. The only difference between a winner and a loser is how long you stay committed to what you're trying to do you, and you, not give you know, up. You know what you're saying is a classic... The classic example for this is when you go through a negotiation, if you're getting divorced, it didn't happen to me, but for some people go through divorce, usually there's that one day that we're sitting down and we're going to finish this and it can start at, at uh, 12 and it can end at 4 a.m., right? And at that time, you see, and it happened actually with us with negotiation when we sold Boxycharm. It was in up until 4 a.m. And at that point, when one pushes the other towards something, you see who's the last man standing because, you know what, just say give it to them and you had those red lines but you're going to start crossing yes. them because of that one night and if you go in with a mindset of like it's about the last man standing and i'm gonna i'm gonna continue and i'm okay with walking away with nothing and start a war or if it's a divorce whatever it is right partners splitting up their business anything else that day when you sit down with your lawyers and they have their lawyers and you're there to finish this that is probably going to be about the ones that understand what they're entering. Mm -hmm. And it's player versus player until the end. Mm -hmm. And it's anything else in life, right? It's, it's about anything else in life if you continuously uh, doing it. Now, how do you tell someone that just doesn't have a product market fit and he thinks he has to continue trying to sell that product that doesn't have a market fit? Where is it where you need to say, okay, this is not about discipline and last man standing. This is about you needing to modify your product because the market didn't Yeah, like that's it. a whole different how do you, thing. How do you go to someone and tell no, them no, no, this is not, the difference? No, no, it's not. It's not. I'll tell you why. Uh, let me just draw a parallel between fitness and business. Why so, fitness? Because no, it's another it's, thing uh, that you need discipline with. I mean, if oh, you're talking about that part. Okay. Yeah, yeah, like so if you're saying how do you know if somebody has product market fit and they're trying, trying, trying with their business not working, what if you're doing a workout routine that's not yielding results over six months, a year? Like, how do you how do you understand when it's time to cut it, try something? You modify it, you tweak. But how do you know? Like, that's what yeah. he's asking. How not seeing any return on your investment. But I think it's different. I'll tell you why I think it's different. We talked about this earlier, you and I, mm -hmm. right? I think if you have a shitty product, you have a shitty product. All that you can have, you know, it's the product first, marketing second. Yes, right? that's right. With fitness, if you're not seeing a return on your investment, if you're not seeing the result that you're trying to get, that's when you have to tweak and modify, mm -hmm. right? That's I think that that's a different thing. You eat a cake you, every you, day, you right? If you eat a cake, right? Exactly. Yeah. You start to I can give you things you can do, quantifiable things. Are you journaling? Are you writing down everything you're eating? Are you are you doing heavy enough weight? Are you doing you know? Are you working out? Are you consistent? Are you blah blah blah? Right? If you have a shitty product. You have a shitty product. You can go, okay, how can I modify and tweak this? Um, is the product, you know, why isn't the product working? Uh, could it be, who, how can we make it better? Is it, can we make it faster? I don't know what the product is. Can we make it, make it faster? Well, can we make it product? more? Was the product that you, like, so you Which had. Which product? You had the. My shoe? Not the shoe, but the, you sold the app to eight. The app, by the way, 
and I'm not just saying this because I was involved, the app was extraordinary for one main reason, besides lots of other reasons. It, the, it's the user, for, if you're gonna have an app, which is a, it's a tech company, yeah. have the tech work. It was extremely user friendly, mm. right? And it was easy to use. If you're in a, if you're in a, if you're in a tech space, make sure the tech is working. If you're in the fitness space, make sure your fitness program has great testimonials and the pro and and that thing works. Be exceptional in whatever area that you are supposed to be exceptional in. Mm. I think I personally believe that what we do, we, we all try to throw a big, heavy net, like a big net on everything and be be everything to everyone. I think you what you should be doing is street, it's focusing and be really, really, really good in one area. And then at when, once you get that marketplace, then you can expand outwards, right? I think what a lot of like brands are doing, like, you know, Muscle Milk did this back when years ago when I was working with them. Another company, Jim Weed, who is now doing this, who um, I like the, the, their, their, their companies that what, and I can name other brands too that do this, some, some do this very well. If you wanna be an energy drink, right? Or like a functional energy beverage, right? Sell to those people first in the fitness business, like sell to the CrossFitters, mm. sell to the people who are actually doing it day in, day out. Capture and get that market. Mm -hmm. Once you got them, then you can expand to the general public, right? So like niche like, down first. Like niche, like yeah. niche down first, mm -hmm. and really like just make that make your product like make it so good to the people who are actually going to be using it every single day, and then you can like and then, exactly, and then yeah. you know and then you can like and then you can kind of expand. But what I see a lot of people doing now is they try to throw a lot of shit at the wall, mm -hmm. and they try to like they water down their usage and their product by trying to be everything to everyone versus being one thing to one person because you can find way more success in that way. You know, you know what I like that? Because when I was running the company, um, I kind of like learned that if you want to build a passionate community, it's not about the size of the community, it's about the passion of the community. Yes. And you usually need to find commonality and they have to be in the same space and they have to activate together. So it has to be a smaller tight group, people that are already connected that would be talking about your product as a new product and get passionate around Absolutely that. agree yes. with you, 100. And this is what we were saying earlier. This is about social media in general, right? Everyone is so concerned about the number they have on like how many, how many followers people mm. have. How many followers do you have? How many followers do you have? It doesn't matter how many followers you have. If you don't have an engaged community, you can't do shit with those followers, yes. right? So you can buy as many followers as you want, but if those people are not interacting with whatever you're doing, they're, it's a useless way. It's, you can't monetize it for shit. Yeah. So why spend your energy, time, money on it? Like I'd rather have 5,000 followers that are super engaged and active where I can create an actual legitimate business around where I can build a community, you know, sell products that are, are like-minded with them versus 5 million with four people who are barely engaged. Yeah, 5,000 5, very engaged people are going to be so loud that so can loud. bring in so many people and it's going to be very pervasive for anyone that starts talking to them about your product and they'll bring in a lot more versus having 500,000 passive non-engaged followers 
or even five million that say absolutely nothing. So the the numbers of people it's it's about how fast the the challenge is how do you take all those evangelists and put them together, right in the same place? Because if you put no, all the question those, is how do you find those evangelists? How do you find them? I think that there's the problem is that there's so much there's so many and so much of everything that it's very hard to find your community because you might be a great product and you might be selling something that's great and you might have all the right intentions behind it but how do you get to how do you build that community when they're let's say you're trying to do a, a beauty company like you're saying let's say mm. you're, you have a you're a clean beauty line and you have beautiful makeup that's clean paraben free and has no chemicals but you're already comp competing with the beauty counter who has millions of people and they have a huge engagement and they have a huge community. How do you disrupt mm -hmm. if you have a better product if they have all those people? How do you, but, if you I'll, and, I'll and if you answer, don't have the money? And I'll if you don't have the yes. money. So creativity comes a long way. So I'll tell you the, the way I believe in. Your job is to make sure that people wouldn't just go and talk about you, but also create pages and groups about mm -hmm. your company. How can you influence them to do it. So you find the first one and then you start talking to that first one and you get on your page, whatever engagement, you send your people to that person's page. Intuitively, it would create a lot of people's intuition said, if I'm going to create a page about that company, I'm going to start having followers. Then more starts creating those pages. Yeah. And then before you know it, it can be very progressive. How do you do that though? Sorry. I should so in my, in my experience when I was doing this and I think it was, uh, I mean, it's kind of like a, uh, easier when we had Boxy because Boxy, let's just say at one point we had 200,000 followers on Instagram. Later on, we got to millions. But, but the point is, some people started creating a page about Boxy Charm to exchange products on, on Facebook. So I joined them. And I would go and talk on the Boxy Charm page saying, do you want to know what's next month in a box? You're not going to hear it over here. Go to those pages. So from one day to another, they went from, say, 1,000 people on their groups to 20,000 people. And then more people wanted to do the same. And everyone that... Before you know it, you had 100 people doing those Facebook groups, and I joined them all. And I would do the same on Instagram, and I, fan pages on Instagram. So I said, you talk about Boxy, I'll support you. I'll help you grow. And then they would do the job of bringing all the people. They would go and work for you, kind of like on an MLM, knocking on doors, telling people, hey, do you want to buy encyclopedia? That's what they end up doing. And you influence few people, 200, but eventually we had hundreds of thousands because of those 200. Mm -hmm. The one group would 90,000, one Instagram but, page but, but, but yeah, because you had a small group of super, small. super exactly. engaged people who really genuinely like love that yes. thing. And they were your salesmen. They were the yeah. ones who did it. You know, that's like the same with Instagram but or anything you, else. Oh. You have, it's the 80, 20 rule, right? Mm -hmm. That's that in life. That's what it works in everything. You yes. have the, the, that's what it works. This yes. is so strong. This Don Julio. It's the first one, and you didn't finish it. Well, listen. Do you know how strong this? It's called Don Julio Primavera, 1942. What's the difference between this one and the other Don Julio? So this is more of a special edition, and this is the traditional I think Don this Julio. Is Blanco Reposado. No, it's not I'll Blanco. I'll tell you. This oh, one says uh, tequila. Yeah, you're right. This is Reposado. I don't know if this is Blanco, but. Oh, uh, no, this is Anejo. Sorry, this is Anejo. What's so the difference between Anejo? Oh, no. The Blanco is like, like white. Like yeah, I like, like that one. The Blanco and Anejo. Where's it saying Anejo over here? On the label. So what's oh. Anejo? Because I know okay. what Blanco Anejo. is. I don't know what it actually means. Oh, okay. Anejo, I don't know what Anejo means. But this one, oh, okay. this one says Primavera. This one says Primavera, which means spring. 
Got it. Okay, I'm not trying to brag, but I do speak some Spanish. I'm kind of conversational <laughs> for one summer class. Again, don't want to be Can I tell you something really funny? I'm hum, I'm I literally took a sip of a sip, and I'm a little drunk. <laughs> it doesn't take much. <laughs> it doesn't take much. And also, I've been saying since I got here how hungry I am. So the combination of being super hungry and then taking a you sip of this. You want more shots? You want to try this one? Not a good combo. You what? want to try this one now? I do, but I'm going to be like falling off the chair, and yet I Chug haven't eaten anything. Chug this one, and I'll give you this one. Chug it. Chug it? What am I in, like at spring break in Cancun? I mean, how long? I mean, you want to eat chug, so we can chug. make it faster. If you finish I this, know. then I get you this, and then we go eat. How about how about we finish the podcast, okay. I go eat something, and then I'll have some tequila right, so I don't do fall that. off my chair in a drunken mess and embarrass myself. This, this is okay. a stable chair, but okay, that's, I, don't <laughs> think, I don't think you're going to fall all right, so we're talking, we're serious people over here. Let's talk business. Over now here. I understand the whole thing now. Now, now it makes understand. perfect sense. I missed the entire... You demanded on coming at, at during the day. I didn't understand why you wanted me here at night, really, but now I do. Yeah. So you, you can have a drink and the like relax, exactly, yeah. versus at noon. Okay. <laughs> what did we start talking about during our break time uh, when we said, let's, let's talk about this? Talking about fillers and stuff like that? Or people oh, no, we're talking up? about, pe- we're looking at people on social media and we're talking about how LA can be, you know, people look fake there. And I said, I see people looking fake everywhere. And you said, I don't like when they look fake in the face. You yeah, don't mind I, think, the I think that there's a point where they fuck themselves up because they don't see the reality of what they really look like and they don't stop with fillers and more fillers. Some of them it, it can really look good, but then they go all crazy. They go, uh, and then, yeah. so that's, that's where like, boobs, you know, do whatever you want, but then you can't really That's what you said, boobs, do whatever you want. This is a want. side effect of what you were speaking about before when people have this like social media, um, like they just need to have validation through social media. And they need to have more followers. They need to like look a certain way, yeah. act a certain way. I think that all of this, not all of it, but a lot of it comes from like social media. I think also what I think, yes, I agree. But what I was going to say is I think like anything else, it, hap- it can happen kind of so slow that it pervasively like get, gets into your world where you don't know the difference between what's reality yes. and what's not reality yes. anymore. It's like you use filters constantly. So when you see yourself in a real mirror without a filter, you can freak out. You're like, oh, my God, this is what I really look like. Because you you trick yourself into this like, like alternate reality, which is so dangerous. There, there are multiple requests now. It, it's known that the request now going to uh, plastic surgeons by Gen Z mm, is to totally. go and match what you see in filters, where they make a different type of face uh, shape, they modify the face, and yeah. it was just a matter of time until it's going to happen. It's really actually so, so sad. You know, yeah. I see these beautiful girls, these young girls who are in their 20s, young 20s, and they're addicted to plastic surgery because of that reason, because they're not, because they're so accustomed to using Snapchat filters, IG filters, that to what I just said, it's like they don't even, they think that they're ugly now in real life, which is A, a huge problem, B, it's so pervasive in your life and it, it, it affects you in so many other ways, like the low self-esteem and insecurity and, and, and lack of confidence. It's just terrible. And I don't see it getting any better. It's, in fact, getting worse and worse and worse. I have a friend that only dates professional models. And he said he doesn't want to date just regular Instagram, Instagram girls because they get a bunch of input from guys. But professional models, they always compete with other models and they always look at every square inch in their face and they see everything and they have all that insecurity built in where he talks to them they're the insecure 
Yeah, there is. And he's not like a spring chicken over there. Yeah, We're talking he, about a guy that's like, okay. But uh, that's but, even more of a problem. Yeah. So why is your this? I think that's the issue. So like you, you started by saying, oh, I have this friend who, who will only date professional yes. models. So what's his insecurity? Does he have to own what well, that Ideally, he has to only he's, date he's, professional uh, models? It's kind of like an easier prey. His from what, what I, I mean, I didn't ask that, but I would say it's easier prey. Oh, easier you, prey. Yes. Okay. It, like, okay. It, uh, also, you can know already how to speak to a particular crowd. You know already the lingo. You I have don't that think it's a positive zone. thing. I think it's like no, to yeah. your point. I'm like, saying it's a terrible yeah, thing. Yeah, it's, it's like, like it's a really bad thing. Not a, you need an insecure person to be with you so you can feel secure. But but that's something that happens, and I don't think it's the only one. No, of course it's not the only one. So yeah. that's, a, that is, that's an epidemic in itself. Yes. But what I mean is... That, that sentence is so disturbing. It's like, I'll only date professional models. It's, it's because only people who are so insecure that they have no idea who they are or what they are, that they need outside validation because of the sound of it. A guy who will only date a model, what, like, there's no A, that, does that mean there's no other beautiful person or no, no other beautiful girl in the world besides if their career as a model? Well, it's almost like a little bit of and, narcissism in that too. Yeah, and it's also like it's, it's like yeah. a, it's like a status symbol in some way. They're yeah. doing it for status, but even more to that, it's like such a creepy thing to be about. Like, who, I mean, I who would want to only date it's... you? Who would want to date you? Like, who are you? I mean, before you get mad at him, you haven't met him. He's actually, he's not bad. But my point is... <laughs> to my you, he's not bad. No, no, no. Man. He's my nice point, to me. My point, my point behind this like. my point behind, my point behind this is that you get the most beautiful women based on what society said, what's beautiful, I don't know, because they're the more ones that people get willing to pay for pictures. However, they're the more insecure because the entire job is about how they look like and their comparisons is kind of like more mm -hmm. them. And everyone is looking at oh, she has beautiful hair and... I don't, and so so she would look at those little anecdotal parts, but from the side, people would say, "Crazy, you're gorgeous. What are you talking about?" Right. Well, it's because yeah. but that's the what, more that's what society's messed up. That's, yeah. so that's, that's such my an whole issue. point. It is a, that's yeah. completely messed up. And I was going to say that now the general public, right, with the pandemic and COVID and being stuck on Zooms now, and now that's become our that's become like the norm. Even after COVID has now thankfully uh, kind of dissipated a little bit we're so used to looking at ourselves on even zooms that that's also another reason why plastic surgery has gone up in this in this country so much is because we're constantly staring at our imperfections where we don't think we're pretty enough or attractive enough or whatever uh that it's not just the modeling world it's everybody and I hate it. I like. I think I belong in the '90s. I want to go back no, no, to I when, hate like, it too. actually, part of the reason. So, candidly, part of the reason why I even started the podcast mm -hmm. is because I, when I hate, I hate people that bullshit online. I really don't like when people bullshit online. I found that like podcasting is the only way where you can actually get to speak to somebody and actually get all the bullshit aside, and they can't fake a persona for like two hours. Yeah, you can. You don't think you can fake a persona for not, two not hours? Not the same way. So. Not the same way. I think I understand. The point is. On I mean, Instagram, okay, so in on Instagram, on Instagram, you cannot really see who the person is, right? Recently, they started adding reels, but it's a very short form content. But when even a reel, it's basically a reel is someone's highlights. Like, I mean, exactly. How many people are putting their shittiest moments on Instagram or social media? Almost nobody. So you're only getting everybody's highlight reel, which why. It, all of this is based around things that are so disingenuous and not authentic, which is why I have a love-hate relationship with social media. I agree, but don't you think that at least in... Okay, you're right. Can somebody bullshit for two hours? Yes, they can. 
but is there a less likelihood that that person can truly bullshit for two hours on a podcast versus it's in not a, it's in a not picture? Even, it's not even about bullshitting. It's about yeah, the fact well. that when you're on IG, you don't really have to talk if you're... Right, because you I've seen this in the beauty industry. Yeah, yeah. Many, many influencers, we used to classify them YouTubers and Instagrammers. The... YouTubers can have Instagram, but Instagrammers don't have a YouTube. Yes. That's a different because totally on YouTube, true. you need to be you. Long form content, you talk about everything. You really have yes, people that evangelists that love you. Okay. On Instagram, you just have people following you and looking at your stuff, but that's it. So when you post, you, when you bring in uh, a person into YouTube, you said, okay, now speak to the cameras, they feel insecure because. They're not, they're not supposed to say anything. I'm just a pretty face. And that's, that's all they're going to do. Even if they're going to do real, usually it's going to be transformations and stuff like that. TikTok is like a little dense, nothing crazy. But when you look at longer form content, like a podcast, like talking on, on YouTube, you see the personality. Mm -hmm. Those are the ones that can sell. On skincare, you only sell it on YouTube. This is not, this is not Instagram uh, content type. You need to have a person that people know and trust and say, you know my skin routine and I keep breaking. Finally, I found something. People would actually follow through with that. Th that's where you get the conversion for skincare. Mm -hmm. uh, color cosmetics, it's for anybody. You swatch it, you can tell the, you don't need to speak about this. It's right. uh, the instant results. So it's the same thing with every, everything else. When you go and you put a person on a podcast, now I'm asking you a question. Now I'm talking to you. Now I want to see the intellect I that know. comes out. Uh oh, of you. have I like sadly disappointed the both of you? Not you did all. not do no. so. You, I you showed you showed up. You showed up. <laughs> you you killed showed up. Thank you. You're amazing. Thank you. No, I'm just I I, I by the way I I agree with you, Scott, to some degree. The bullshit factor. People can still be in there. Um, I guess in there, what do you call it? Chris Rock says it perfectly. Like you're, they, they can still be their sales representative for yeah. two hours, right? They can still go out there yeah. and like be their, you know, their their personality that they show the, the public. Uh, one thing that I want to just bring out that's I think important for the audience, you speak about habits a lot. How do yeah. you develop good habits? By doing them. The really, mm. you know, I think, I think we are all trying to find this the secret way, the secret sauce of like doing what we need to do to get other, th to, to get other things we need to do done. Mm -hmm. And at the end of the day, it all comes down to the most basic thing, which is just do it. As Nike says, the only way you develop habits is to practice and to do something over and over again and do it over and over again, even when you don't want to do it and do it again and then do it again until it becomes habitual where it becomes so second nature that you miss it or it feels weird when you don't mm -hmm. do it. It's as simple as that. Like, let's not overcomplicate something that doesn't need to be overcomplicated. You know, we try to figure things out that with these robust, big explanations that really don't need it. And that's really what I believe. No, so, so I, think, I think what I'm taking from this is, look, there's gonna be a point where eventually you're gonna do it because you have to do it. It's gonna take a minute or maybe two, but once you keep doing it, you know it's the right thing to do, but there's gonna be that little demon telling you, not today, not today, but once you keep doing it for enough time, you're not gonna have to convince yourself. Yeah, no, it's you don't. Yeah. So like, exactly. You have I to think get through that hump. It's a hump. skill. I mean, how do, you know what, how, to how to develop good habits is a skill like anything else. You do it by doing something over and over and over again, it Do you really believe the 21 days to build it, 21 days to kill it, like they're saying. 10,000 no, hours. No, I, I don't or whatever. think so. I don't, don't think, think so. Right? I think, I think again, there's no, it, it, there's no science formula that it's going to say. Maybe for you, it takes 21 days. Maybe for you, it takes, takes, you know, 77 days. 
right? Like it probably depends. because he needs more. Right. It depends. It depends. I'm not listening to him. You know, it, 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 it depends on where your baseline is, where your baseline is for sticking with something and being consistent with something, yeah. and what your discipline level is at your baseline. You can develop discipline, but what how how far you develop it is going to be based on where you where you're starting from, right? Yeah. Right. So if I'm someone who's like naturally a little bit more athletic than you are, it's going to be easier for me to learn a sport versus someone who maybe is like you, who's not very athletically inclined. It depends yeah. on where you are. Yeah, it makes makes a lot of sense. Everybody has their point where they start, but I mean, it goes long way. No matter what you're going to do, practice makes better. And eventually, whoever you're going to be, you're going to be better than what you were. Don't worry about others. Right. Yeah. So like, again, I'm very curious. I'm at a 10 out of 10 starting out, right? You might be at a 1 out of 10. You may not be curious at all Why about something. you giving somebody. me 1 out of 10? I'm good. I'm just saying maybe you're, <laughs> maybe you're someone who doesn't really give, that, give a shit yeah. about other people's yeah. stories or what happenstance, right? Yeah. So if you're a 1 and I'm a 10, naturally, it's going to take you... No, I, I, no, I got I to jump in another topic where... So how much out of... So when you opened your podcast, why opening a podcast? Why starting a podcast? It takes forever to make it. I get that question. I want to hear it from you. Because I you love, know. I'm like, I, I just said it because I'm really curious. You're curious. You did and it. For I said, I did it for the fact that I, I'm super curious. I'm, I love to like go deep and figure out why people do what they do, how they do it. I've always been that way my entire life. And I like to know the intricacies. Like, I'm not so much about broad strokes. Mm -hmm. I get the broad strokes. I think that most people get the broad strokes. Uh, I want to know the, like, the, the, the nusha of everything. As soon as you came over, you were a podcaster. You started asking me questions and diving deep and deep and deep. And it was, uh, it was as soon as you came. So you did this because you wanted to I'm interested do it in for people. you. Yeah. I, I'm tr yeah, I did it for me because I did it for me and for other people who are similar to me who just really like are interested and curious in wanting to know why and how people are the way they are. I'm, my, like I said, if it wasn't for all the other things, I, I love business, I love being an entrepreneur, but if, if it wasn't for that, I would have been a psychologist mm -hmm. because I'm super fascinated with like the psyche and how and why people do what they do. And I'm not a good per, I'm not great with small talk. I don't love talking about like superficial surface level stuff like how was the weather? You mm -hmm. know, what did you do this weekend? I want to know like, I want to know like the real shit. Mm -hmm. And if I don't feel like you're giving me the real shit, this is in life, by the way. I'm not interested. I'm not interested in just like chit chatty. You know, people. you know how we used to call it. it used to be an uh, entrepreneur organization called EO, and we said uh, so. It it's goes like YPO. Exactly, it's very similar. Yeah. You have a, a peer of eight or so. It's six to twelve, depends how many it can be. And the idea is that you sit down with them and you need to talk about what's really important for you. Mm -hmm. And they're saying they're, they're in the forums. Types. You mean in right? the forums exactly. So you have five percent stuff you don't ever talk about because it's really not important. Then there's uh, another 90% that you can talk about that can be things kind of like important but not very important or so on. Then you have the 5% that you tell nobody or you really, it's really important or urgent. Those are the top 5%. So when we sit down every month, that's what you need to pull out. So at first when you don't know, you talk about, like you said, the weather, oh, you know, and my wife and the weather and we started arguing like, yeah, but that's a bar conversation that you can wait until we're done with our phone. Tell me something I really need to, if you have nothing to say this month, don't say nothing. 
because maybe one person have that 5%. So when you sit down, when, when we came up with our podcast, we, we want to be smarter. Let's fucking do it. Let's bring smart people. So we want to come out better, smarter from that podcast, ideally. And then when people sit down and listen to us, they were like, you say, well, how often would, how much would you want to go and, and listen to those rich people that people say sitting down talking to each other? This is it. Those successful people, this is it, right? And then you say, this is going to be the top. This is going to be the 5%. Let's talk about what's important. And the idea is to, how do you get to the 5%? And maybe you can tell me now because the idea is like, you got to peel the onion, right? But how do you get, when you sit down and you interview a person, because you're a master at this, how do you get to that 5%? Mm. How do you pull it out of people? I think it's being, I think it's being, inter- being genuinely interested in somebody. Mm-hmm. I think that people have a really good inst- instinctually they have a really good bullshit gauge if someone's interested or not i do when i'm talking to someone i can tell pretty quickly why and how why someone's talking like why that what they're asking me and why they're asking me or if they give a shit mm. i can feel it you can it's like a, it's an emotion it's like a feeling it's like sometimes it's just something that's un, unsaid like i i have i think that my approach and how I interact with people in real life is the fact that like I'm genuinely curious. I'm genuinely interested in wanting to know why you're doing, why you and how you're doing something from a place of non-judgment. I'm not asking you because I need something. I'm not asking you because I'm judging you on something. I'm just asking because I'm genuinely interested. And I think when that happens, people feel much more comfortable to mm-hmm. share with you. You know, you asked uh, Mark Cuban a good question. And the reason I said it's a good question is because I've never heard anyone asking that question. And that was, that was standing out. You ask him, all right, so how many companies are you invested in? And he said, you know, between what I closed and sold and this and that, about 200. Like, how the hell are you even managing a portfolio? And he's like, yeah, I got like 12 people doing that. And that's a question I didn't have anyone. No one asked him or Kevin O'Leary or anybody else, like, how many? What does it take from a, from a guy at your size with all those Shark Tank and everything else? How many? So how do you come up with those questions? How is it coming to you? Is it just on the go or did you write it down before? Well, I think, number one, I research everybody. I, first of all, I want to back it up. I've come to a place that anybody I... That anybody who comes on my show, on my podcast, are people that I'm initially genuinely super fascinated by or interested in some capacity that I feel that they are extraordinary in some way. Um, because if I don't have that that off the bat, I feel I'll, I'll come mm. across. I will be disingenuous. I would mm. come. I I come across disingenuous, and it's happened where. I brought people on where I thought oh, other people thought they were interesting, so then I should have them on. You cloud chase and, too much, and then right, yeah, and then exactly. like I'm not, and like the content is the content suffers and it wanes because it's like not that interesting for me. So right, right off the jump, I think coming from a place where like I'm interested in something, it it, it creates and it creates a whole different dynamic and a whole different vibe. That's the first part. Secondly. Um, if someone is going to, uh, give me their time, it's, I, I respect the people enough to do my homework and do my research. Mm. I will never have someone on who's coming on to promote a book or coming on to talk about their life and then me not do any homework or any research on that. I find that to be super so how disrespectful. Do you do, how do you do the research? Rude. How do you do the research? Do Depends. you have someone re- reading for you or, no. or you're doing it yourself? Are you it kidding yourself? me? Absolutely. 
reading. No, not reading, not reading. Not. Searching and telling you here no, is absolutely some not. books to read it. No. No. I mean, there's no, that, that to me is like inexcusable at, at the level I'm at anyway. You know what I mean? Like, mm -hmm. give me a break. I, it's not, I, if I'm interested in the person, it's the onus should be on me to do my own research and to, and to figure that shit out. I, that would be just So not, you said you don't, you have a book, someone booking. So if someone has a book, no, if someone has a book coming out. Okay. Like whatever book it is, they send me the book. I read the book. Mm -hmm. If they don't have a book or if they don't have a book, I like I like Google them. I watch other interviews they've done. I I I watch other things that they've done. I've I watch the work that they've done. I listen. I like listen to Audible all the time. I listen to other podcasts that they've been on. I do all that stuff. So I'm coming into it with questions of like things that I never got answers that like I, I would be like, hmm, I, wh why that? Or like, I wonder why this? Or like hmm. when you're listening to another podcast and you wish the interviewer asked that question, and that's they, what you can go into. Exactly. Yeah. Or I ask them something that I think that other people would be genuine, like my listeners would be genuinely interested in knowing about, right? And that's how, and I think when you're in a conversation, you naturally ask different questions than if you're only just doing uh, back research. So I think it's important to have, you have a combination of having research so you know what you're talking about and you know what you're getting into, but then also having some form of, you know, spontaneity where you'll let the conversation flow where then if they say something, you can just, you know, ask something that you are genuinely curious to know about that like leads, that's like, th that makes sense for that conversation. Mm -hmm. Do you know, does that make Absolutely. sense? So I think that's what it is. But I think, again, that's what I was saying to you earlier. I think it's important to be curious just to have a podcast because everybody else is having a podcast to me is a stupid reason to have one. Mm -hmm. I think it's important to have a podcast because you genuinely like are interested in like talking to people. That's what makes a good podcast. That makes, that's what makes a difference between someone who's good at doing it and someone who's bad at doing it. If you have genuine interest in actually doing it. For the right what's reasons. The, um, what's the pod? What are the top three podcasts that you listen to? You know what I love? Like? I'll tell you my my favorite podcast, mm -hmm. um, but it's because of the dynamic. Is uh, I love Smartless with Jason Bateman and Will Arnett, and uh, Sean. I can't remember his last name. The guy from Will and Grace. I find their dynamic together hilarious, and. I just think that they're great. And I think that that's my favorite one. I also like Joe Rogan because he's very conversational. And I also like how I built this. How, but uh, Guy Ross. Yeah, yeah I think yeah. it's really good. Um, you know, Yosef was mentioning uh, the top 5% of problems that you're trying to solve for in your life. And he was asking, like, how do you find those problems in your guest's life and when you're interviewing them? Um, what are the top 5% of things that you're trying to solve for in your own life? <laughs> but the top 5% of things or top the, five things? Oh, no. Top five. Well, you know, like there's like the 5% of things that you don't want to talk about. And there's like so the you're 90% basically, So of you're things. basically asking me, what, what is the 5% of, what is things the stuff that you, that you don't want to talk about? you don't want to talk about. So you want me to overtly just tell that to you yes. without you just getting it out of me? That's like cheating in a it's way, right? Cheating. It is cheating. No, it's the not whole cheating. The whole, the whole idea of this whole thing is that you have to be a good enough interviewer and make me comfortable enough where I just tell you those things without me even knowing that I actually told you That's those true things. Too. <laughs> versus me just being like, 
like you, you being overt and being like, tell me those things that you don't want to talk about. You know what no, I mean? not necessarily things you don't want to talk about. Maybe just things that are keeping you up at night now at this stage in your career as you built out oh, this just, empire of like media. You can talk about things you don't okay, want to talk easy, about. Okay, that's easy though. That's more yeah. me. I can answer you that question being guarded and that doesn't mean anything. I think every day is a challenge, right? I think right now I have a book coming out which is super challenging in terms of the book launch itself. It's a lot of time, um, commitment, and I want to make sure that I do a good job with it. So I'm working on that. Um, and also, I think really my biggest challenge in general is just the fact that I try to be a good mom. I have two kids and um, I try to be a good mom. I try to be a good wife. I try to be, you know, try to do my career and be the entrepreneur and the do all the projects and work projects that really keep me um, feeling that, like give me the, the energy and the feeling of being alive. Uh, because I genuinely like to work. I genuinely get a lot of energy from that energy. So I'm not somebody who like wants to be sitting on a beach and, and getting my nails done all day. That doesn't work for me. Um, so to be able to like do as many deals and to start as many projects on the business side as I want to do and to also be a present mom, that's a really tough thing to balance. Does it happen to you because and I, I feel guilty does it happen to you that you're sitting with the kids and let's just say you want to get a big person on the show or something and then you, they, they want your attention, but your mind is somewhere else. Yeah, it happens all the time. You feel, you feel the guilt or something. I feel guilt. Yeah. I feel guilty all the time, yeah. and you know, I don't how care do you, what people you, say. Do you, do it you, doesn't feel. Do you find feel something to disconnect at that time? I try. I think it's. I don't. I. I, I don't believe when people are like. I don't believe there is balance in life. Mm. I think it's a, a total mis like misuse of the word and I think it's a misconception I think that um, anything that you're good at requires an exorbitant yes. amount of time anything that you want to be successful in requires an exorbitant amount of time that it's not flippant so if you want to be an extraordinary parent you got to put in an extraordinary amount of hours and time I don't care what you say absolutely if you want to be an extraordinary business owner, you got to put an extraordinary amount of hours into that business or else, you know what happens? It flails and it fails. Someone else is going to eat your lunch. And someone else the more dedicated one is going to come and eat your lunch. 100%. Yeah. I, I know that. I know that going in. So I've made, I've made, I've made kind of uh, concessions with myself that I'm willing to not be as powerful as a business person as I probably could I'm just going to be honest not to sound arrogant but that I may may be able to be because I want to be present with my kids to me being a good mother is more important than being a good business person at the end of the day I'm not going to be lying on my deathbed being like god I wish I closed another deal never you know <laughs> yeah. god I wish I like had that you know that that power lunch with so and so fuck no I mean, I do not want someone else raising my kids. I do not want someone else. I don't want someone else or my kids feeling that they are or they take second fiddle to some bullshit business thing that I'm working on. But I'm not going to lie to you and say that 
I'm not distracted a lot and that I my phone that that that, that I don't look at my phone constantly. And I mean there's been plenty of baseball games, soccer games, dancer dance things, gymnastic things that I'm at and I'm on my phone working. That's my happy medium. I'm yeah. not perfect. Mm-hmm. I'm not claiming to be perfect. And I feel like all I'm trying to do is do the best I can by doing both things that I really love in a, in good enough. Yeah. Right. And I'm, if, if the, if the bell, if the curve or the, or the bell curve or whatever, the pendulum swings, I'd rather be a better mom than a better business person. Yeah. I think that everyone feels the same. I feel like want and possible like once you have the opportunity you still chase it i don't think we, right right it's, exactly. it's just like yeah i want to but i'm just it's also i don't know if it's just what i'm thinking uh, because i was to say this to myself all the time because that's the right thing to say to yourself but now you have to go and do it and then comes that mind where you say well I, i'm doing it also for the kids for the future and and all that uh, it's just very challenging and you feel the guilt keeps coming and chasing you like i can tell you the the burden that is removed after you can get out of the business and you say, okay, now I can be with them. And even then, it's hard to be present because you don't know how. A hundred percent. I don't know. I don't know how. I think that's a very true truism. And I think that's actually a very wise and perceptive thing to think, to say, because I think that is so true. Not, I don't even know how. That's actually very true because you know, I'm so you know used to you will, being You on. will in time because I'm, I'm looking backward and I said, when I pulled out, I was exactly the same. Today, I'm different. I'm better. Am I 100%? No, because new ideas come up, new things comes up. And I'm like, again, I'm doing this to myself. And what the hell was? But it's not the That's same like when you have to manage so many people and you're just your mind is busy with stress. So it takes, it takes a while to hmm. train yourself into it. Just do you ever shut off? Like, do you, do you have, do you ever try and shut off? Like even like, like keep Shabbat for like a day and shut off from like all work stuff. So it's like pure family. Um, it's a no. <laughs> yeah. I mean, like, <laughs> um, no, I also think I have so much like, um, like, I, I, I have like ants in my pants and I've, I've like my mother would say that my grandmother, I'm like always sitting, I'm sitting on spielkes constantly. Like I'm not good at just being, you know, like that's my work in life. Yeah. Right. Is this being okay with You're being impulsive, okay? Of course. Super impulsive. impulsive. I feel like I, I, yeah, I just feel like it's like an ADD thing. I, I'm not saying I have ADD. I say I have ADD. It's I, okay. I, I That's what makes it special. Says, I think it's an overused statement. I just think I do have impulsivity. I don't like to. I don't like to sit for long periods of time. I like to be in motion. I think um, an object in motion stays in motion. I I think that it's very hard for me to just to be. So I I do find it really difficult. Being present. Mm-hmm. That's very yeah, tough. It's hard. That's very, very tough. Well, um, Jennifer, listen, thank you so much. It was amazing two hours. What's so special about Hero Bread's soft, fluffy, and delicious breads, buns, and tortillas? These ultra-low-net-carb baked goods contain zero sugar, fewer calories, and more protein than the leading brands, and are high in fiber to support gut health. Shop now at Hero.co.